Welcome to the Rust Belt Rundown, brought to you by Rust Belt Recruiting. This podcast is designed to shine a light on the meaningful work being done in Northeast Ohio and the surrounding region. We will convene manufacturing executives and Northeast Ohio business leaders for candid discussions about their business, regional happenings, industry trends, entrepreneurship, and more. Now, let's get running on The Rundown. Welcome, everyone, to episode 50 of the Rust Belt Rundown. I'm your host, Paul O'Connor. And on this episode, this is a very special episode, not only because it is episode 50, but we are joined by the founder of Jackio's, Art O'Strike. Thank you for welcoming us to Jackio's in Columbus, man. This is fantastic. Dude, my pleasure, Paul. It's good to, good to have you here. And, and I've this, got is, a, this is appropriate. That sound, if you're, appropriate. if you're listening, that sound is appropriate. If you're watching, we get our first sip. This is my favorite. It's the classic. What are you drinking? Right now, my favorite product that we're putting out is called Deck the Hills. Okay. It's um, our spin on a, on a holiday ale. Um, we're not really into nutmeg and spices and things like that. So we made an English mild ale and a pretty simple, easy drinking product and I've been easily drinking them. <laughs> that's yeah. I mean, that's a good sign. If you mm-hmm. develop it to be easy and it's easy, that's good. Well, let's jump in, man. This is fantastic. We're in the new space in Columbus. We're actually going to start not about Jackie O's. I think I was actually shocked doing research. I don't think the vast majority of OU alums know that you actually owned Bagel Street Deli as well. So talk to us about that and give us the timeline. What came first? Cool. So I we're going to talk about this a little later, but I taught English in South Korea for almost three years um, just before 9-11. In August of 01, I moved to Gwangju, South Korea, in the southwestern portion of South Korea. And um, about a year and a half into being there, Bagel Street Deli went up for sale. Um, I had worked there as an undergrad. And a number of my friends did as well, kind of a part of our social existence revolved around Bagel Street. Yep. And Lenny Meyer and I, um, he's my best friend. And now neighbor, actually, we share a driveway. Love it. And uh, Lenny was like, hey, you want to buy Bagel Street? And I was kind of on the fence. Just I was, the casualness I, of it. Just Correct. Sure. I was like, well, I was kind of heartbroken at the moment. And so I kind of made a decision, but then I didn't. And I said, well, not yet. I can't I can't do it right now. And But six months later, I called him and I had moved to Seoul and was teaching English there. I said, hey, I'm going to be home in six months. Is it still for sale? And the answer was yes. And we kind of pulled the trigger. My mom drove down a, you know, more money than I ever spent on anything in my life at that time and kind of signed up the deal. And, and we purchased it in October of 03. And then I moved back to the States in early March of 04. So I moved back in. So you bought, um, yeah, I mean, you bought yeah, and you weren't even there yet. That's Not right. that you need, I mean, you know how it's going to operate. I knew but, what was going on. I yeah. knew how it operates. I knew, um, you know, Scott Bishop, I love you if you're listening, but we knew what it needed to move forward and to be a successful enterprise. Um, it needed some love and Scott was into, they were raising a family and it. it was time for them to move on. Yeah, so priorities changed. Yeah. Priorities changed. That's exactly right. So uh, we purchased it. And then, so when I came home in March, I hadn't run Bagel Street before, obviously, but I jumped in with both feet and worked full time there until grad school started in the fall of 04. So got it. studied linguistics. And yeah, here we are. Um, for all you bagelers out there, former bagelers, um, we're doing a 30 year anniversary. Wow. Uh, because Bagel Street was founded in 93. So, uh, on June 30th, I believe that's a Saturday, that weekend, uh, there's a whole bunch of events revolving around Bagel Street's anniversary. So if you worked there in the past and want to show up, 
find us. 740-593-3838. But yeah, hit it up and we're out there. Find us on all the social media outlets. So Bagel Sheets had two owners? Bagel Street is on its third owner, Derrick and Corp, followed by Scott Bishop and Courtney Got it. Bishop, and uh, and then uh, General Zod Inc. <laughs> mm, got it. Okay, so okay. Neil got before it. Zod. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's jump into Jackie O's. Yep. This uh, the research that went into this was awesome for me because it was, I mean, for a million reasons. One, it was a trip down memory lane, and two, I just learned a ton about you, about the origin story, and that's where I want to start. Tell us about the original name, um, why you wanted to buy it, and then, of course, you know, dedicating it to your mother. Sure. So we're going to just kind of continue that timeline. In 04, started grad school and was running Bagel Street. And, you know, grad school is a pretty much a full-time gig. And I did TA ship, so I was teaching a class and running Bagel Street. But, you know, we had a number of wonderful staff at that point in time. So, well, still today. We have a great staff at Bagel Street Deli. There you go. That's it. (laughs) And uh, and we always have. So in 04, I was doing that, running through life, you know, doing that kind of thing, living back in Athens, excited to be there. I'd been gone for three years. It's the best. um, It is the best. And then in 05, I always wanted to buy a bar. Okay, my dad. Who doesn't? Right. I want to buy a bar. Right. (laughs) Um, My father, my parents had a house that was really conducive to throwing parties. My brother was an avid soccer player, played club soccer forever, um, as did I. Was it conducive because they were out of town a lot? Yeah, so um, (laughs) there was a period of time, my senior year in high school, when Brian had games in, you know, far west side of Cleveland Mm -hmm. on a Friday night. Games were either seven, eight, nine, or 10. You knew you had six hours. My brother being who he is, I knew I had six hours every Friday night my senior year. I love it. Incredible. So I got really good at understanding that and enjoyed doing that. Yep. You know, so obviously, boom, boom, boom. Fast forward to 2005, and there's a brewery for sale. There's a bar for sale with a brewery in it. Yep. And um, my great friend, Brad, you know, told me to buy it. He's like, you should buy this. I'll make the beer. You should buy it. I'll make the beer. And here we are, all of a sudden, December 12th, 2005. That means we're turning 18 this year. Weird. Uh, That's wild. We got the keys. Did a massive cleanup. Opened late that year. But we bought Ohulis. Yeah, which Ohulis. Is a, a That's a very good Athens trivia question. Yeah. Ohulis. What was the original name? I can tell you lots of different bar names. Yeah, like what Court Street address. has changed. Yeah, yeah right. of course. Not just from me, but just from people telling me all these yeah, funny stories. Yeah, the 80s, but, early, yes. yeah, of course. Right. So then uh, we bought it from Jimmy Prouty. And um, unfortunately, I mean, mom was down, my family was down to help clean up the bar in, again, late 05. Mom got diagnosed with um, lung cancer in early 06. Stage four, not much chance there. Um my siblings were able to be home and help my father throughout that whole process. They were up in Cleveland, east side of Cleveland. And um, I went up as much as I could um, in that time. But it was um, a pretty hard struggle. Yeah, of course. Um, and cancer took her June 14th of that year. And But I told her on Mother's Day um, in 06, I was like, hey, mom, I'm going to name this thing Jackie's Pub and Brewery. She's yeah. like, a bar. Yeah. And I was like, I've never seen things. that quote and It's going to be a lot it's, more than a bar, mom. Yeah. You know, like, that, you know, that story doesn't get old because it's true and it's real. And it's like, yeah, yeah that's what happened. You know, the my mother moved to the States from England in 1967. So we don't often think of aliens being from 
you know, England, but, you know, having a different sense of perspective and worldly perspective, um, having grown up in England. So that really made an impact on me, which is why, you know, I ended up in different countries teaching English and doing things like that because the world wasn't in Ohio. Yeah. It's beyond Ohio. So that's a, that's a good segue. Um, I want to talk about life after Athens. Life after Athens is, is tough. Uh, those that I will never forget. I was dating my girlfriend then, my wife now. She lived in Columbus. So when I graduated, I drove up to Columbus, stayed with her for a couple of days and then drove back home to Connecticut. But that, that drive it will forever be burned into my brain of getting on the highway, looking back and knowing that this is it. You know what I mean? I'm coming back as an alum, which is just a terrifying word when you're a senior and you graduate. So I'll never forget that. But life after Athens is totally different. No one really knows what's going to happen after or where they're going or what they're doing. But your journey took a whole left turn. And you you mentioned it a little bit about your mom being from England, bringing a different perspective. Tell us why you wanted to go teach English in another country. Did you have a choice of where you could go? Why did you choose South Korea? Like, tell us about that whole path. Sure. So Lenny, the guy I referenced, my my best friend in my undergrad years, Cincinnati boy, and I both decided we wanted to go teach English. Both applied to a program to go to Japan. It's so nice Um, that you have one extra, but that's like, that gets you to do it. Right. right? It's like, all right, let's do this together. Right. Well, just the way it worked out, um, Lenny ended up getting another position and didn't go to Japan. I spoke to him. And I didn't get the position. Okay. So- very strange happenstance, but at that point in time, you could get a job teaching English in a lot of different places in Asia. And, you know, I weighed my options and South Korea, the, the, the money made sense and was able to save more money there. And I was going to go to Japan or Korea because in 02, the World Cup was there. Mm. Okay, avid soccer fan. Awesome, who, who are your right? teams? Um, U.S. and England. Sure. Okay, for, for those reasons I discussed. Sure, makes sense. And um, you know what's funny? I have bought tickets to follow Argentina in two different World Cups wow. and had like four or five tickets to follow them. That's how they used to run their ticket game. So Argentina. I was going to say boom, good, boom, time. Boom. Yeah, good yeah. timing. Good timing. Good um, timing. And I feel yeah. like you have, I mean, are you obligated to say the crew or are you not obligated? Uh, for MLS, it's the crew. Yeah, they've done down. an unbelievable job with yep. that stadium. I'm so excited everything. about being here more often and being able to support the crew yep. and do that through and through. So that's pretty flipping sweet. England, Korea. Oh, so then, okay, Korea came calling. And I got a job teaching at an institute. I was teaching- Yeah, what age? Three through seven-year-old children that first eight months, 10 months. And then I got a job at a um, high school, girls' high school, but I saw each student once a week. So I was at 16 or 18 classes or something like that. And I saw each class though once a week. So it's like not that impactful on their English- um, yeah, that's hard. Growth. It was hard because there's all different levels and 40 students or so in each room. Yeah. And so, you know, and you see them once a week. So contact time is like 40 times in a year, you know? Yeah. And, um, but there was some after school things where there, the kids who were interested got more studies. So I got to know several of them and like we're friends on Instagram and all that stuff, you know, nice. today. But, um, and then the last year. How long were you there total? Uh, two years and eight months, okay. something like that from getting there to coming home. Got it. Um, Taught at an elementary school, fifth graders, the last year, and it was a up in Seoul, so much different. I was like in the sticks that that first year and a half, a year and whatever. And so then it would be 36 kids in the class, and there's one big room. 18 were with their Korean teacher, 18 were with me, and we swapped Swap. all day. Got it. Right? And so those kids spoke English. Those kids were very good. And their whole school life was that situation. Up through sixth grade, at Young Hoon, they got to do... Those, those different things, which was kind of wild. Um, 
And then, yeah, came home in 04. Can you tell us about, I mean, it's been 20 years, basically. Yeah. You could probably answer this a million different ways, but what's the biggest misconception about South Korea to the everyday American? I bet it was so different over there. It's like, well, it's way more similar than it is different. Hmm. Everybody eats, everybody <laughs> goes to work or school, everybody poops, everybody has a life outside of school and work and whatever. And that's what we do. You yeah. know, it's like more similar than not. Of course. Okay, sure. There's differences, of course. But again, it's just going through life with in a different culture. Yeah. Okay, let's go back to your siblings. Mm -hmm. um, your mother gets diagnosed. They decide, and I want to hear about this whole story, but they decide to do... I would say the hardest slash craziest slash most insane thing a human being can do on planet Earth, and that's climb Mount Everest. And and I want to hear about longevity as well, why they did it, kind of how whole that story. But like, did they come back and were they? They had to be completely changed human beings. I mean, what was that like? How how? I mean, it's hard to probably even describe. Well, it's crazy because I had probably said within a couple of weeks of me being like, hey, mom, we call this place Jackie O's Pub and Brewery. Brian comes into the kitchen and he's like, hey, mom just gave me approval to climb Mount Everest. And I'm like, what? What the fuck? No. Like, what? And was this originally, hey, we're all doing this or I'm doing it? Or did you ha people have to get recruited? Like, how does this happen? Brian is an endurance athlete. Okay. Okay. So he's he, wired. He, yeah. He just ran a hundred mile race in Hawaii like four days ago, he finished in eighth place. Okay. 27 hours running. This is what he's, this is him. Okay. But this was the goal. Like, so we're trying to bring about awareness for lung cancer research and longevity was an organization based in Chicago that does lung cancer research. Okay. So Brian says, I'm going to do this. Okay? Meanwhile, we had, we owned a brewery. Okay. And that whole process. So we're going to make an, a beer to help support that. Love it. When you say Choma Lungma, Okay, that means Mount Everest if you're speaking Tibetan and or Mandarin. Okay, the languages are all pretty similar. They're linguistically tied together in the family tree of language. Got it. And Ma means mother across the world's languages. Chomo Lungma means goddess mother of the earth or Saga Martha if you're speaking Tibetan. Got okay, it. so following that line of thinking, you've got lung in the word. Okay, so you play it back to some Americans and you're like, oh, okay, well, these... Time, things happen, and I'm going to climb Everest, says Brian. I'm going to do this without without oxygen support. I'm going to try my best to get up there. It's like, what? And so my sister didn't summit and didn't necessarily shoot to summit because if she would have shot for it, she would have done it, knowing her, because she's also an endurance athlete. She runs 30 milers. She was Brian's aide in this race that just happened, you know, where she ran 20 miles. She ran the last loop with them. And, like, she is also a high altitude endurance athlete. The um, next time I go to complain at like Orange Theory, I'm really going to rethink my... <laughs> they're like, you can do it. You can do it. I'm like, ah. Yeah, <laughs> I can't even yeah. run for a half hour on a treadmill. Right. So um, Brian's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Right? And so we're like, cool. And, and your mom gave him the blessing. Like, go mom for gave it. Him the okay, honey, be careful. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, oh. I've since said, hey, you know, I like having a brother. I'd like you to be careful up there. Yeah. People die on Listen, these mountains this all is the not time, a, you know? Yeah, this is not something that's like, oh, we'll do it and we'll come back. Right. Be a day. I mean, yeah, I mean, they put a, a flag over someone that they had just played Yahtzee with the day before on the trail because you, you leave them there for your own safety. Okay, it's like a, you know, it's pretty crazy what happens. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. So and the, uh, yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. Everything. So 
Brian and Justin, Justin is a family friend of ours. He climbed it with Brian and Katie ran base camp. Explain what that means. Okay, base so camp. base camp is at 17,000 feet. And then there's advanced base camp. There's camp two, camp one, camp two, camp three as you go up. So you kind of climb a ladder okay. to train your lungs. Okay, and then you come back down. You keep climbing the ladder and you go higher every time. Okay, and then work your way back down and your body kind of recuperates at 17,000 feet. Kind and of. then you watch the weather and you shoot for it and you come back down. Okay. If there's See, weather, I didn't know that. Yeah. Like you just kind of keep, you keep going and you get your body back ready. down part. Yep. Like you have to come because your body, you're dying. You can't do it. You're like, it's not good. If you're on oxygen, you're kind of doing okay, but you're still like laboring to get up there. And they were going the economic route um, and trying not to have Sherpa support beyond base camp. So then Katie's like bouncing up and cleaning up and bringing the tents down and bringing on the stuff and helping with all the stuff. And yeah, May 23rd, the, the weather opens in the right way. Boom, boom, boom. And they shoot the moon and they did use oxygen that last thousand that last. feet going up. Um, you know, one of them was showing signs of cerebral edema. I believe that's what it is. And so it's like, hey, let's throw some oxygen on. Let's get to the top of this thing, do what we're supposed to do and get our butts down. And uh, then when you do, it almost seems, it almost seems like when you get up there, like, what do you do when you get up there? You well, take a picture, you celebrate, you <laughs> hug, you can What do you do? Brian made a video. Okay. okay. He had a Frisbee in his hand. Wow. It's a Bagel Street Deli Frisbee. Let's go. He gave a little tribute Love to it. what was going on. Yep. And he was going to throw that Frisbee down. He's like, hey, kid, I'm going to try to throw it down to Katie down there at Advanced Base Camp. I have the video somewhere. I mean, that's it's on a cool, shit though. That's like a unique <laughs> way to, like, you got to do something, right? I mean, you yep. just did the most, yep. I don't know. I should have Googled it before how many people have actually climbed Mount Everest, but it, it has to be. Enough every hundreds, year. Hundreds. I think there might be a thousand, a couple thousand. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of You're people, in the elite of the elite. A lot of people get shepherded up. I'll okay. put it that way. There's okay. a lot of stuff going on there. I'd prefer not to talk about that necessarily. Sure. Paul, but like there are, <laughs> you can spend a lot of money yep. and get up that mountain. And get up there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, let's put it that way. So yeah. Brian put a picture of he and mom. Um, under the under the temple, the box. I don't know the right word. Yeah. But um, he he left a picture up there and that, and there's prayer flags all up there. And, That's awesome. You know, pretty cool yeah. thing. You know, just that moment of being up there. It's and on all of our it. computers. Somewhere. He did it. Yeah. They, they did it. You yeah, know, it's they like did pretty it. incredible. They did it. And my dad was at base camp as well. So amazing. Um, he and my uncle John. What is the yeah. going average temperature at base camp? Uh, you know, I don't. Know. <laughs> it's gotta be, uh, this I mean, can't be a comfortable environment. It's pretty chilly, but like you know, you're eating. There's yak butter and there's all sorts of snacks and there stuff. They play a lot of Yahtzee, read a lot of books. Yeah, you know, you're like recuperating and resting when you're at base camp. And um, I would like to think that I would have made the best igloo. Anybody seen uh, yeah, up there? I but, believe you know, it. I believe that's it. where my brain resides. Facilities. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Operations. <laughs> right. Operations and facilities. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we would have gotten beer there. You that's know what I mean? Right. Whatever yeah, you we wanted. Beer there. <laughs> um, you know, so there was a blog that was running and I was helping publish that blog. Got it. Through, because I was here. Um, chemo at blogspot.com, I think it was what it is. Um, I could shoot you the link. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. I want to check um, it out. Then it kind of chronicled yep. the, that whole process from being in Ohio and doing the fundraisers and all those things and the yep. beer. So there's a lot of information out there about that climb. And then I was kind of updating from home what was going on. It's funny. There's weird stuff out there. And I don't really believe this. 
kind of stuff. But I was having altitude sickness from Athens when Brian was climbing. I knew when his ass started going down from that peak. I think that stuff's real. So weird. I think that's so real. You're just like sitting all of a sudden. Like I knew. I was like, oh, wait a second. Something happened. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Something something just happened. happened. And then a couple hours later, you get the news or whatever it is. Yep. Ding, ding, ding. What's up? Phone calls at three in the morning, stuff like that, you know. And so, yeah, pretty crazy what was going on. But we made Chumalungma then. Okay. So mom was from Newcastle, England. She lived in Newcastle for a while. There was Newcastles in my fridge growing up forever. On Sundays, you know, she'd crack one. I was the oldest of three. So, you know, she poured me a little bit of beer at 16 or whatever. And I think showed me a different flavor of beer. Yep. That in high school, I'd be like, wait, what? What is yeah, this? Yeah, what is this? You know, I just and want then, something light. Yeah, I'll take, and I would take one yep. every Friday night or whatever. And she kept buying them, you know, which is very English of her. And um, so that kind of started. So, of course, when we were going to name Chomalungma, we had a tap handle design that was like in the shape of a peak. Love it. And then we're like, hey, here's, he's like, we're going to make an IPA for you. He's like, no, let's do a brown ale. So anyway, so <laughs> nice. the, the, yeah. um, the original tap handle for Chomalungma turned into Mystic way back when. And, ah, you okay. know, and it had the mountain and the Chomo yeah. had a different tap handle to it than those original it. ones way back when. But yeah, Chomalungma was born at that point. And so it's got that wonderful story to go beside it and with it. And it's all like true, beautiful, cool family. Yep worldly, all that stuff in one in one fell swoop. Thank you for listening to the Rust Belt Rundown. We'll be right back after a quick break. Welcome back to the Rust Belt Rundown. Let's jump back into Jackie O's. There was, we were talking about this before we started recording. I graduated in 2011, which is just sad to say out loud, but there was in, and there still is, but there was an allure around Jackie O's for a variety of reasons. One, it wasn't serving Coors Light, but well, actually, maybe you can get it there now. I don't know, but it wasn't your Coors Light, Bud Light, Miller Light. Two, you couldn't get in. So from 07 to 11, I didn't go into Jackie O's until I was a senior. You could not get in. There was no fake ID. My fake ID was horrendous anyway, but there just like, there wasn't going in. So there was this always like, oh no, like, you know, locals are there, real uh, humans with jobs and families go to this place (laughs) and college students that are of age. But there was this essence around it and there still is. I wonder from your perspective, did you feel that? Was that known? How quickly did that happen? And and then I want to get into Columbus, but what started that? And and what, what is that feeling? All right. So when you, you're in Athens, right? And when you're 18, 19, 20, you're going to those certain bars. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. The ones that'll let you in. And then all, yeah, you know, you right. know where you can go. And then when you're 21, you don't go back to those bars. I know. Okay. Yeah, and it's and nice. we all know it's that. Nice. I, I had worked at Tony's in, as an undergrad and I like understood what I was getting into. And it's like, no, as soon as we bought an underage bar, Ohulis was under was an underage bar. Yep. A number of liquor license violations later is why we ended up getting to buy it in the first place. Got so it. it's like, no, we're not doing that. Switch that game. Forget yep. about it. That's over. And so we were very vigilant. You know, I mean, I remember times that there'd be kids on the patio and I'd be like, they didn't order one drink. And I would, I would bust tables all the time. I love my favorite position. I can't wait to bar back this. Place. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. It's going to be Anyways, awesome. You're going to be um, busy. I'm going to be busy and I'm going to get, maybe get in shape again. You know, who knows? (laughs) Um, But I would walk the perimeter once in a while and check. It was like multiple times I'd like get a 24 pack of Bush light that they had stashed outside the patio Ah, and we're just pulling them in. And I'd like 
walk outside, go that's put a, it in the walk-in that's cooler. Smart. And I walk back there and be like, hey, you guys, cheers. Thanks for the 24-pack. Now get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you know, things yes. like that. We were trying to be yes. very vigilant at that door because that's our liquor license. To this day, yeah. knock on wood, we've yet to get a liquor license violation. Nice. Every See, that's other okay. So facility, I wasn't wrong. Like, there, it, that was real. Very vigilant. That was real. Yep. And like, you know, you couldn't find Jackie O's beer outside of those walls no. until 2013. Yeah, exactly. Deep into 2013. That led anyway, to it as so well. That helped all that all that stuff. And, and were allure. you even, correct me if I'm wrong, like, were you even canning? Like, what, I don't know what that, that no. like, no, you just had to drink it there. You had to drink it there. We sold some bottles, but it was, you know, 0.2% of Nothing. production. Yeah, yeah, you of know, course. Fancy, high-end, esoteric, sour, and heavy barrel-aged stouts yep. went into bottles. A couple of the occasion, I think Matriarch went in early on, but a couple of, um, I guess, non-barrel-aged barley wines and things like that. Or double IPAs, whatever they were classified differently then, then but yeah, yeah. Matriarch went into some some bombers as well. Got it. And um, but that was about it through 2013 when the production site came online. Got it. So let's talk Columbus. Yeah. We're sitting here in the tap room slash patio slash soon to be best spot in Columbus. Mm -hmm. When you opened, you know, you still can, you can just walk in and buy beer. But talk to us about why Columbus and more importantly, why expansion. Okay. So Jackio's was built on Ohulis. Okay. We all, we were only in that room. Yep. Oh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. In two thousand nine, we got Skippers, which is now called Jackie's Public House. Yeah, yeah. In 09. So when you were there. Yes, I remember. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we got that room. Shout out to Papadocio. We opened that room in September of 09. As a, and then we were only a venue till December when we moved the kitchen over. Got so it. So January of 2010, you would have been going to the public house more than you would be going to the small side. Yep. Everybody wanted our product. Mm -hmm. 2011. 12, 13, 2010, you know, even. Yep. Where homecoming weekend, hey, what's your product? Just wherever, Springfield, Cincinnati, Columbus. Yep. You know. Yeah, how can Toledo, we buy this? How can we get it? It's like, well, <laughs> you're here now, aren't you? Yeah. And, uh, but like, we, so we went and took a class on how to start a brewery. Brad and I were the only two in the room who worked out or owned a brewery out of 40 people at Siebel Institute in Chicago. And we started looking for a building. Okay. Um, Athens is not a hotbed of industrial activity. Yeah. And so it took us some time to find a building, um, but we did in late 11. Got it. Found a building, kind of announced it the next day. Yep. Um, That's over by the intramural party. fields. Yep, yep, over by the intramural fields, between yep. Stimson and the intramural fields, on the new road called 1804 Way. Um, nice. Yeah. I didn't um, even know about that. Yeah. Um, come visit. There we go. And uh, we started putting beer into cans. Okay, cans and bottles. Yeah. More like more and more into production. Yeah. And so instead of 99% of our beer being sold in our own walls, 99% of the beer went out to the state of Ohio. And so from the manufacturing point of view, you could only do so much with what you had in the original space, correct? That's Which correct. is why you needed just more. We kept out about 800 barrels of beer at the brew pub and that was in 2012. Got it. We couldn't make enough product and we we're just making things faster than we probably should have. And it just went that direction. And then to put it in the perspective, in 2013, we started brewing in February of 13. We did 3,000 barrels in 13. Okay. And then 6,000, 8,000, 8,000, 13, 11, 13, 15,000 done down about 13 is where we're at today. Okay. And because we can produce. Yeah. Okay. So suddenly 98% um, of the product that we make Go is on. out and yep. going into the state of Ohio. Yeah. Five, 6% goes out of Ohio. Yeah. Um, to us when we live in, you know, New York and Connecticut and Atlanta, all the places I've lived. Yeah. You can kind of find it, but just in small it's hard, doses, it's hard it's to hard. find it. So that's been the gist of it. Now, keep in mind, 
all of that stuff was built on Ohulis yeah. and the public house and doing that, right? Where you can create, you can curate, create, and run your own vibe and yep. your own feel and your own thing. And that mystique behind the brand, that's something that you get on site. Yep. Okay. We were local to Columbus in 2013, 14, 15, 16. Well, since then, 2017 and beyond, you're not really local anymore. When we went from 23 breweries in the state of Ohio to 400. Okay? Yeah, we got to talk about so, that. You know, we're going to talk about that, but you're not really local anymore, right? And so Columbus has been a home market forever. And then it wasn't, and it hasn't been. So we've been looking at ideas and concepts about coming here for years. And, you know, the right deal didn't show up. The right thing didn't show up. It just didn't feel right. Something wasn't Waiting right. Waiting for the right space. Waiting for the right which space. you found. We found <laughs> one. And so Elevator Brewing Company was here. And Elevator had two different facilities. One a production site next door. And then one is more like a brew pub kind of feel. Got it. That brew pub is still there. Different owners. About two blocks behind me. Okay. And Dick Stevens, um, you know, ran this place. He bought it with his kid for his kid a number of years ago, and it's been in homage to his, to Ryan. So Ryan was a Dick's son. He passed away a number of years ago. And so, you know, Dick and I would always like kind of talk about Jackie and Ryan in that same regards. Yeah. And so, um, Every time I talk to Dick and we met 10 years ago when we were both on the founding board members of the Ohio Craft Brewers Association, and he'd be like, all right, you should buy this place. You should buy this place. I'd be like, you need a better freaking tap room, Dick. Okay, come on, dude, come on. And he'd be like, you should buy and do it. And I was like, well, in the end, that's Here what happened. Yeah. So two and a half years ago in 2020, in the middle of COVID, um, we were able to pull the trigger. Probably a good time to buy. Because it's a decent time to buy and got the building and started working on this pretty colossal project. It's amazing. Um, it is amazing. I mean, we're going to have seats for 500 or so people, um, room for lots more than that in yep. quite in honesty. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. I mean, there's like seven different spaces within the space. And yeah, here we go. And we're, we want to be local to Columbus. Columbus has always been our, our home market. It's only an it's an hour and two minutes for yeah. me to get here door to door. Yep. Right. With Quite. all the highways have, has, have made it a lot closer. Yeah, you don't have to go through Nelsonville anymore. Yeah, no Nelsonville, yep. no Lancaster. Like we're passing, hitting those bypasses and going. Man, it's like, it makes a lot of sense. And I'm cautiously optimistic and very excited and a little nervous and actually very nervous about what this is going to be. But it's coming and it's a, such a unique space. So. so you mentioned it before that Jackie O's has always felt, Gen Z would say, you know, if you know, you know that type of vibe, that type of feel. Yep. So we'll always have that in Athens. How do you build that here in Columbus? So in order to build that vibe in Columbus, I think we need to lean into alum. Okay, we yep. lean into Bobcats. There are more Ohio University alumni living in greater Columbus yep. than there are humans in Athens County, comma, of drinking age. Okay, like it's a pretty big statement. Yeah, that's a, okay? that's a stat. And if you look at Athens, you know, what what gets exported from Athens? Well, college degrees and kids with degrees. And honestly, we're a pretty close second, yeah. according to most <laughs> yeah. newspapers and things out there, that our product is out there and it's an associated with your time in Athens yep. and that wonderful time that, you know, seemed scary when you were leaving and all those things, right? But yep. it's a wonderful time. It was like with fond memories and all that stuff. And we're a part of that, yep. you know, so leaning into that. And then, you know, if you got 10 friends and two of them are Bobcats, they're going to show up here eventually 100%. in the next couple, in, in 2023. And, you know, you curate that experience and you show that experience and, and you you lean into the stuff you know yep. and, you know, push forward. 
create, yep. a, create a wonderful scene and a wonderful experience. Yeah, I love it. I can't wait for it to get warmer. Everybody see the patio. It's going to be ridiculous. Yep. All right, let's shift gears a little bit. We talked to, this is a Northeast Ohio mainly focused podcast. We talked to people in economic development, workforce development, manufacturing. I think a sneaky aspect that people probably don't think of because they see you or they think of Jackie O's and it's like, yeah, he runs a bar. It's like, yeah, okay, he does run a bar. But he's also a manufacturer, like by default, by design, by definition. Can you talk about that process? You know, you went to Chicago, you learned about the brewery, you open up. Like, what did you learn throughout that process? How difficult is manufacturing? Well, I have, over the course of time, I've worn every hat in the, in the company. Yep. Okay, I've done and all the fact the that you things. said you're excited to be bar back, like, Man, <laughs> that may show you how hot. difficult manufacturing yeah. is if you want to be bar back. That's right. Like you, there are so many different facets to yeah. what we're doing today, you know, and starting small and growing and you learn the process, you learn what you're doing. You know, I've never been that involved with brewing, but I know everything about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I couldn't go step into the brew stand today. I can't really step into many positions today in the plant, but I could be helpful to a lot of people in a lot of ways Got because it. I get what they're doing. I yeah. know what they're doing. I could be much more useful to the company in other ways. And so I, I, that's what I tend to do. Now I've been fixated. I mean, probably to a fault on increasing retail beer sales. Okay. Got it. I want to sell this to you directly. Again, Ohulis yeah, the DTC. built this company. Okay. Yep. DTC is right. Direct to consumer. And you want to hit that. And that's what built this thing. And that's where I'm leaning into. That's why I've thrown and got the biggest loan I've ever known. And hopefully I will ever know um, <laughs> to do this facility, yep. you know, that you want to lean into direct to consumer. You you can tell your brand, but that tell your story than anybody else can anywhere. Like you can tell your story to the customer yep. right here. That is a huge deal. Yep. So we're leaning into all those things um, from this location down here. And I think it's only going to strengthen what we do in Athens and here and just keep growing on that situation. Manufacturing is not easy. It is not easy. And then when you're manufacturing, you're like working with a distribution partner and you're moving all the, all these things around to, to try to get there. But the margins are a little bit different when you're DTC. Yeah. I'll put it that way. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Let's talk OU. How have you been able to, if you have over the years to leverage the relationship between, you know, a standing business in Athens and OU could be with maybe the business school or hiring students or, or, or maybe there isn't that like formal relationship and it's more informal, but have you been able to do that over the years at all? Um, up, up until June of 2021, I worked at Ohio University as a faculty member um, in the linguistics department. So I taught a lot of different international students typically um, how to make their way in the business school. Because the business school has a lot of different collaborative um, approaches to learning and projects that are done collaboratively. And so I've been involved in a lot of different ways. Now, um, I've been, I've done projects with just about every School school and thing on campus. I teach a class the Art of Craft Brewing, a case study into the Athens brewing scene. I mean, perfect. Um, yep. That's actually semester just started. I got a class on Friday. Very field trip centric. And um, <laughs> uh, you, there's an age restriction on the course. Nice. And, and yeah, that's seniors sort of thing, only. And let's yeah, go look yeah, at some beer. That's right. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. Um, working is, you know, say yes to everybody. It's your backyard. It's it's who's with you and how that goes. And you want to support who supports you. Yep. You know, Ohio University is a part of that. All local organizations, farmers, nonprofits that are in the area that, you know, we want to work with them and we want to, you know, raise the bar at all levels. And, you know, it's been a little difficult these past couple of years, um, but I think that, you know, 2023 is going to kind of shine a light on everything. Yeah. 
I love it. Okay, let's talk about the last 10 or 12 years or so, maybe even longer, in terms of the explosion of breweries in not only Ohio, but across the entire country. It felt, even as just someone not even remotely close to the industry, that it was getting somewhat absurd, no matter where you lived in this country, how many breweries were opening up. Really, to me, now you correct me, but 13, 14, 15, 16, it just felt insane. It was almost like, I mean, I lived in Atlanta for a little bit. We lived in New York for a little bit and they were everywhere and they didn't have a brand. No one really knew who they were, but they were there. So, I mean, let's just start with the very easy one. Have we reached peak breweries? I think in 2020, we were heading towards a lot of closures. Okay. Okay. But in some weird way, I'm going to say COVID saved the industry. Interesting. Okay. Because of the money loans? was the PPP money was loans? passed out PPP and or EIDL loans and things like that. There was money available yep. to help you stay afloat. There's also a correlation between number of bars and number of breweries. Okay, the number of bars has gone down since 1516. Well, the number of breweries has gone up. So you still have an equal number of drinking holes. Yeah. I'm I'm not saying That's this with any factual data behind it, but you're going to find a correlation there. Hmm. That's that's going to make sense. You, and do you think that was a result of people's reaction to breweries opening up or just... I think that people are still going out to have beverages yeah. and they'd rather go to a place that's doing more than serving somebody else's. Okay. Got it. They yeah. want to go to a, a place where somebody... Experience. There's yeah, people the that are working. right there. <laughs> that motherfucker over there yeah. made this beer. Yeah. You know, like that I'll sort of thing. Yeah, that yeah, comment yeah. is that goes a long way. That, yeah, it does. You know, and then there's also the massive structures that we've all built yeah. at this point that, yep. you know, it's a sexy thing. You know, the breweries and the and today distilleries and, and that, that it's grown on that level, but the number of bars is dropping. And the number of those other facilities is on the rise. Now, I do not think it's sustainable. Got I do it. believe that shakeouts are going to continue to happen. Um, revert back to the mean a little bit. Yep. Yeah. I mean, 1,300 breweries existed nationwide when we bought Ohulis okay. in O. Five. There's over, I think it's pushing 10,000, 9,000 today. And it's a lot. It's a Jeez. lot of breweries. Ohio went from 23 to 400. Yeesh. Okay. There are four brewery licenses under my watch. Okay. Okay. So, you know, there's that too. I was one of 23 and I were four of 100. Okay. So, got it. You know, okay. and the, one of them you don't know about. I'm not going to talk about it yet. So, um, next episode. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. 100. <laughs> number yeah. 100. Done. See you then. But that's kind of where it's at. And I, I don't know. You have to innovate. You have to be different. You got to grow. You got to change your tune. You, you can't rest on your laurels. You've got to continue to grow or not grow or be smart with what you're up to. Yeah. You know, adapt or die, figure yep. it out. That type yep. of. So, okay. Th this is your, your free chance to, um, I guess, help somebody else out. But if you're not, if you can't drink here, what brewery are you drinking in, in Ohio? I guess it depends where I'm at. If I'm here, I'm ended up at seven sun or okay. at uh, Wolf's Ridge. Got it. I'm right down. The, you know, they're both yeah, right they're next right door yep. on fourth street as well. And then if I'm in Athens, I'm going to little fish. I gotta ah. tell you, man, it's been great. Seven years or so ago, I think, uh, Sean and Jimmy opened Little Fish and nice. it's just been nice to have another brewery uh, yeah. in town. <laughs> oh yeah, we need some two row. And you got yo, yo. I need it. You know, it's not like calling Eric up here, which yep. I did a number of times. Thank you, Eric, to go grab something from him because yep. you know, I need a pallet of citra. Please yeah. <laughs> help, you know, and it's like we, we didn't have that ability. Yeah. And, you know, we all help each other. It's still a, a thing, you know, but Little Fish 
uh, nothing against Devil's Kettle, Cameron, um, but you know, having breweries in Athens is awesome yep. because we've been we're such an isolated bubble for so yeah, long. Yeah, you were so. on your own for yeah. the vast majority. Long time, over ten years. It's awesome. This has been fantastic. We're going to end with some rapid fire, easy, easy questions. Bring it. Um, first one, favorite Jackie O's beer. Chumalangma, maybe who cooks? Okay. If you're not drinking Jackie O's, what are you drinking? Right now, old fashions. That's a good answer. Tough mornings, but good answer. Yeah, tough mornings. If you could only eat at one place in Athens the rest of your life, <sighs> where are you eating? Chopsticks. Okay. One word to describe your new Columbus location. Absurd. That's a good one. Um, all right. This has been awesome, man. Thank you so much. Uh, it's surreal being an alumni and being in Columbus and being in this space. Um, cheers. Really appreciate you coming on. Best cheers. of luck with everything. We will be here. Oh, actually, we have to end with, is there an official open date or a general time? That's hilarious. No, I want to. I want to say March 17th, yes, St. Patty's Day. Yes. Let's fucking please, go. Please, please um, be open I'm then. hoping for that, but I don't. For March Madness too. Uh, it's going to be here. The whole thing would be fantastic. Goosebumps. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, in March is, okay. the, is the idea. There's a lot of stuff that needs to shake out and happen before then, yep. but we're getting closer every day. I mean, this floor will be finished tomorrow. Nice. The mill work's coming at the end of January. They, Bill told me that today. Bill. Figure um, it out. You know, here we go. Yep. I it's getting it. closer. I love it. Not that everyone um, already doesn't know, but where can everybody find you? Like social or if they're trying to figure out where to come in Columbus or Athens, where can everybody find you? Like the product or me? Social media, <laughs> you, yeah, Jackie O's all over like um, either Facebook, Instagram, you know, all that stuff. We haven't gotten into TikTok yet, but you know, something tells That's me the next thing. things are coming. Yeah. And we're actually going to launch one or two new Instagrams and try to separate some stuff. Columbus oh, like an Athens and might Columbus. be its own. Athens ah. is its own thing. And then the bigger brand that's like more has regional its, has its it. own sort of thing. So focused on the beer and the sustainability efforts in one. And then on 4th, we're calling this Jackie O's on 4th because we're yeah. on 4th Street. And then Athens where, you know, you can get all your specials and all those things that may or may not be pertinent to those other two groups. Got it. Awesome. Well, thank you again, man. Good luck. We will be here in March, April, May, June, the rest of the year as soon as Perfect. you open. Appreciate it again. On and, me. Uh, yeah, it's For done, you. Deal. done deal. It's on camera. <laughs> right. He said it. It's For on you. camera. He said it. <laughs> thank you again, man. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Rust Belt Rundown. Make sure you check us out at rustbeltrecruiting.com. The Rust Belt Rundown is available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and click on five stars if you enjoyed this episode. See you next time.